Hello and welcome to the Men Able Matters podcast, brought to you by the Men Able Movement. I'm Steve Whitten, the founder of Men Able, and it's our intention to bring you hints, tips and the inside stories from our fabulous guests to help you to understand mental health and to get the global automotive industry talking about it as an everyday subject. So join us with another fantastic guest here on Men Able Matters. So welcome to another episode of Men Able Matters with me, Steve Whitten. Now, we're always delighted to bring you fabulous guests from across the automotive industry, especially when they are prolific leaders who have fantastic cultures in their business and can really talk from the heart passionately about what it means to have a great team of people around them. So my guest today is the one and only Peter Vardy. Peter, how are you, sir? Very well, indeed. It's a very nice introduction. I'm not sure you do not find, do you not find a fabulous lady at the end of coming to me. It's very, uh, it's very kind of you. Um, yeah, it's great, it's great to be. It's great to be. Um, haven't had a chat with you about what you're doing. It's a real pleasure to um, be on this and just to encourage you as well with what you're doing. Um, speaking out for this topic, I think it's, it's, it's wonderful. I think yeah, I haven't been in the industry all my life and uh, uh, seeing some of the issues over the last twelve months, particularly. It's, it's great that you're a spokesperson for this. So well done. Oh, thank you. That really means a lot. That, that really does mean uh, a massive amount, Peter. So thank you. So so in good old Men Able Matters fashion, if you could give us a bit of an intro, as to, I think yeah. most people, as I've said off camera, kind of know you, you know, if you're in the in- industry in the UK, but for our international audience as well, a uh, bit of an intro as to who you are, where you're from, a bit of background and uh, how you ended up where you are now. Uh, yeah, my name is Peter Vardy. My uh, dad had the same name, so that's probably why I'm uh, known, because I share the same name, but dad had a, a, a Big Bush Group, uh, which is which was successful, and uh, a lot of people enjoyed being part of that. And then I went on my own. Mm-hmm. 2006, when the opportunity came along, uh, kind of forced to start on my own and uh, build the company up um, over this period of time. And there's about 1,100 people in the company now, um, which is a number of things. It's got a it's got a, a motor group, uh, with, which is you know going down the route of used cars, supermarkets, online supermarkets, and premium brands. And then we've got interest in a software business and a Finance e-commerce business, uh, and then a new leasing company that's starting next month. So, we've got a few interests um, as a family in most all automotive things, to be honest with you, um, where we, uh, which, which we hopefully know what we're doing in, and have enjoyed a, a, a long time. <laughs> it's nearly a hundred years um, since the family's been in motor trade, actually. So, since my granddad registered it um, in Huntley Spring. So, yeah, we can't think of anything better to do. I don't think. Well, I was going to say, actually, it must be in your blood in the DNA because um, I was going to ask you to take us back to right to the very beginning, because if you've been in the industry a, a while, you'll, you'd will you have heard of the name Reg Vardy. So that was your grandfather. Yeah, I'm the so third generation, the one that normally cocks it up. Yeah, so I'm just trying <laughs> to make sure that isn't the case. So it was Reg Vardy, then my dad, Peter Vardy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so Peter now, yeah, he got recognised by the Queen and then um, myself. So third generation yeah, brilliant. Okay, so a bit of a timeline. You said 100 years, so when when was it exactly? 1923, you... 19, 19, my granddad started. Wow, okay. So, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was well, he, was, he didn't want to go down the mine, so he ended up, um, got a cart and uh, was delivering these people's houses, picking things up, then got a horse and the horse and cart, and then eventually got a van and then petrol pumps and then eventually cars, and that's how it started with a, a, a kind of small transport business, if you like, and then a, a showroom. And then my family used to go on the uh, forecourt, which is the house I grew up in as well. And we used to serve the petrol. Wow. And look after guests when they came in. So, and I remember that when the company was small. So it, yeah. it grew 
really quickly under my dad's leadership. Um, he's a very successful man, and then uh, a little bit slow under mine. But uh, loads of <laughs> from, so, what uh, was the what was the timeline with your dad? Because I remember I did meet you. I think I did meet your yeah. father once in the past. Well, it, yeah, the, the well, the company grew. What was nineteen seventy something? So that dad took it on when he was um, in his thirties, late forties, and then uh, early forties. Sorry, and it grew it up to uh, sold out in two thousand six to Pendragon. Mm-hmm. It was about hundred dealerships, about six thousand people then. I finished up very, very different from I remember seeing it when I started with customers coming in, eating my tea when I came up from school, because that's mm-hmm. what I family business when it was small. It was an amazing success story to watch and uh, a lot of happy memories for a lot of people did very well out of it. Yeah, and then 2006, I started with Vauxhall and, and built the business up from then. Um, to now, yeah, so I'm quite excited about coming out of COVID and seeing what uh, what we can do. What it brings, yeah, no, exactly. Now we had a we had a conversation a week or so ago in preparation for this, and uh, and one of the things that we talked about was your work now, not just in your own motor group, um, but in and around the community. And you have a number of foundations, and I think you mentioned something about secondary schools or academies in there as well. So, yeah, tell, tell us a bit about uh, about that. Yeah, I, th- I mean, our purpose for business is being in business was to do to make change and to try and have positive change wherever we could. So. My dad's point of view, set up a foundation. My dad set up a foundation and got involved. As the business got uh, probably more successful than they imagined, they were able to help a lot of causes out. Quite a lot of time to do with young people. Um, that was it. They, had, they really enjoyed that. So then that was the lesson my brother, my sister and I uh, have all learned. So what we're trying to do in any business that we're in now is make sure that the purpose of being in business um, is clearly to build it up to be successful, but then to really sell things to give, give money away. And so... We've enjoyed a culture in this business of linking the success of the business with what we can give and then helping causes out all over the world, mostly still to do with young. So we've launched a program just uh, which we will roll out in September, secondary schools in Scotland, which is uh, teaching young people leadership. And we're starting with S1, which is the youngest kids. And so we're trying to bring the best leadership material from all around the world into a, an online platform and then uh, teach kids to help them make better decisions than maybe we did. So. Our aim on that project uh, uh, is to try and teach a million children over a period of time um, wow. the best leadership skills in the world. So we've got quite lofty ambitions of what we're trying to do in business, uh, so way I've been brought up to think big. And then we've done the same with the foundation. So that's really uh, the thing we're really involved in is, is um, showing people that we value them, whether it be in business or with the community. And if we're successful in business, that gives us more ammunition um, or more, more ability to go and make bigger change. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And is your is your goal and aspiration to get uh, not all a million of them, but a, a good proportion of those youngsters into the automotive industry? Nothing to do with it. Um, uh, okay. no, no, it, it. It was just genuinely. Well, it was one of these ones where I was trying to write what I fancy doing the next stage of my career and trying to look at the next ten years. And, and I spent quite a lot of time thinking about you know what was happening with states and the motor trade and things. And then I kind of woke up one morning and thought I need to try, try and sort out what's happening to the foundation because if the reason for doing it is to give back. That's, that really is my end goal. So what 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 would I do with it? What is the end goal? Mm. So we, we were, I was trying to think of different causes and you go and see different causes like, um, you know, homelessness and poverty and actually they're all topics I would choose in my lifetime to do something out in my lifetime. I thought it'd be much easier, well not easier, it'd be much more effective to mobilize a whole generation of young people to do whatever their passion would be. So mm. what do they need? And actually mm. they need leadership skills. Yeah. And in schools, yeah. as a, you know, my mum's a teacher, my sister's a teacher, there isn't a great deal of leadership training in a school. It's not part of the curriculum. So I tried to, I suggested this idea of teaching every young person leadership in Scotland. 
um, to my dad, who's expecting to tell me they had too many things on the go. Um, <laughs> we had too many things on the go. And he went, no, you probably should do that. I said, oh, no, he's actually agreed. Then I went to see my sister, who is a teacher, thinking she would say, well, I'm the teacher, you're the car salesman, so stick, stick on your own turf. And she went, no, that'd be a really good idea. And I said, oh, no. So by the time I spoke to about four or five people, hoping they would kind of put me off, they all said I should do it. So then I ended up having to do it. So uh, just really, really excited. I mean, imagine if you could, if we could have an influence on every young person coming out of school, that like they can make better decisions. I mean, what a wonderful thing that would be if we could try and do it. And uh, yeah, everybody yeah. I've spoke to about it, whether it be sports stars, to be ambassadors, or I've actually reached out to some of the best leadership, John Maxwell, and all these things in America. I said, look, do you mind giving me, me your material for free? I think oh, I may as well chance it. I'm in the car trade. And uh, they've all gone, yes. So now I've got loads of material for nothing. I've got the Scottish government would like to do it. We've got um, people in sport and, you know, Scotland's not a big place. So you get to know a few people in these by selling cars and things. They've all said, no, no, we'll help you out. What do you want? And so we've gone to the first schools in September. That sounds so that's fantastic. Really, really the purpose for doing what we're doing and um, just passionate to try and, try and use your influence properly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm trying to work out. And I, I love the uh, the aspect of leadership because, us, uh, you know, for me, leadership is not just about being, you know, the manager or leader of a group of people. You can actually, you know, exercise great leadership, even if you're working on your own. It's about the whole set of skills, isn't it? About, the your, you know, your approach to life. Absolutely. I think when you when you say it's about influence, when you say leadership is about influence and everyone's got leadership. Mm-hmm. Everyone's yeah. a leader in that sense. So whether that's wanting to be a football coach, a dad or a mum or, you know, mm-hmm. a, nurse or a business person. I think if just somebody gives you the, the, the skills, which you, you know, don't really learn, but you learn algebra, things like that, which I'm not sure when you really use. But if we can, if we can give you leadership <laughs> skills, I never used it, leadership skills in schools and a framework about um, managing money or managing relationships or resilience, uh, some of these key topics, communication that you need, you actually do need in real life. Um, not being an education expert at all, but if we can speak to folks that are, uh, and encourage them and put a program together with them and help fund that and use our business skills about rolling things out and problem solving, then I'm hoping that can make a difference. So we'll wait yeah. and see. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is a, you know, a long way from how many, how many decimal points can you uh, recount uh, Pythagoras's theorem to, isn't it really? That's, <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. It's important stuff. <laughs> I wasn't very good at school, so I think it's ironic I'm going back to try and help young people. <laughs> well, it, it comes from the heart, Peter, doesn't it? You know, I, I, I get where you're coming from with that. So um, from your business point of view then, I mean, this is clearly a, a you know, sort of family culture, family values, and I, I get that. And I know that the legacy and, you know, we've talked you know, a bit more about your history and stuff so what, what do you think from what you're doing in that area kind of translates into your business from a culture and vision point of view do you think well i think you know if you if you your purpose is really to value people um in a family business that it's kind of it fits with business anyway doesn't it because if you value the people that you're working with and we're actually in a retail environment that probably they probably value the guest or we call the customer guest they probably value the guest quite highly so you kind of anticipate that the guest will get a good level of, of experience. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, if the guest prefers buying something from you rather than somebody else, then you'll probably get the business there or financially you do well. So if you, as long as you're not a muppet with running a business and you can work out how to do it, if your culture is that you're looking after your colleagues more than you're looking after your guests, you'll find that your guest satisfaction is pretty good anyway. So we're, we're trying to maintain, get the best, pe- best place to work, best place to buy, and then run the business because we should know what we're doing by now. Take 100 years, we should have worked it out. And then, uh, and then with the money that we get, we can reinvest it, which is what we've done, or given it away. Yeah. I, think, I think people, if they can see that there's a greater purpose for 
working and that they buy into, you know, we're helping some charities out which everybody in the brand of business would get involved with in the different regions they're in. It's much more fulfilling. Um, yeah. So yes, yeah. we want to we want to pay better than everybody else for great performance, all that kind of thing. You want it to be a bit more than just about money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're, we're trying to encourage or trying to live out um, as a team. Yeah, yeah, well, that sounds great. I mean, I I do know of a few people who do work within your business, and you know, I have to say that uh, they do speak very highly of you and the management and so on. And that's kind you know, of. So. I bribed them, obviously, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> know who they are. Well, I mean, we're not. We're, you know, this podcast isn't about blowing bubbles up anybody, but it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, let's praise where praise is due. You know, and uh, you know, you can sense. And this it kind of leads me on to the point about Menable, really, because we talked to you a bit about that last week as well. Um, yeah when we spoke and, and I think, you know, at first you, you were sort of intrigued about it and we talked a bit more about it as well. So, so I'm kind of intrigued as to, you know, we got to a place where you were then sort of saying that you would be very happy to support us and, and look to towards supporting the mental health cause across the automotive industry. What, what was it about that that sort of sparked your interest? Do you think? Well, uh, I'll tell you a bit of a personal story on here as well. I didn't share with you last week. Uh, one, one of the, we um, in the last twelve months had a young uh, one of our young lads passed away, so I'm not giving too much detail. So not mm, indeed, yeah, yeah. But uh, we, we didn't know we didn't one of our businesses in one of our departments, and uh, just a young lad um, who took his life, and, and the impact that had, I, I, it was that was closer to home for me than um, than ever before. And somebody taking the life, really, I, I'd not been that exposed to known people that well. I had that many connections to people who had. And the impact was uh, clearly there was the mourning that went with it and people, the sorrow that went with it and the feeling for the family, clearly. Then there was the feeling of guilt that we should have some, done something about it. Mm-hmm. No matter who I spoke to in the business, they felt really um, disappointed in themselves that they'd not spotted it, not done something about it. And it just saw how hurtful, um, how devastating that whole thing is on suicide and, and uh, the impact it had on everybody. Um such a waste and so it's, that sparked a lot of conversations in the company about um, do we really know enough about this topic and so and we you know i, I didn't you know um and some of the guys we agreed that they didn't know and it's obviously broadly male population um so the more we did the research on the topic the more tra- talking that we started to do amongst the teams the more kind of training we did just like the training with managers just so they understood the topic yeah and then yeah. we've now actually employed two counselors full-time for the group so we will do what we're calling a uh, an annual MOT for every colleague, mental health check, really, where we're just going to make sure we're going to check in with you once a year by appointment just to see how you're getting on, which is not part of the HR department. It's part of our foundation. Mm-hmm. So we're really just trying to invest in, in getting alongside people. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, I, you know you, it doesn't matter how you brought up or how fortunate you are. Um, it, it can happen to you as well. I remember sitting on a holiday in, in Spain um, my wife Anna and I remember sitting to, to turn around and saying, "Look, and I was under a lot of pressure at the time. Folks had left the company who I, I adored. I couldn't believe they left, you know, and I was devastated what happened. And business wasn't going quite as well as I'd imagined it would do. And I just turned around to Anna and said, "I'm not very well, am I? I'm not." And she went, "No, you're not." And I remember ringing. Uh, I said, "I'll tell you what I'll do. Is can I put my mum and dad on the phone? And can we ring them?" And I remember uh, all sitting around the, the kitchen table in this house in Spain, just talking through that what I wasn't right and. That was my experience, personal experience of mental health. You, you just know you're not right. You know you can't function properly. You know there's something wrong. And I suppose that personal experience for me a couple of years ago, and then seeing the you know far more horrific uh, example this last 12 months, really gave me a good kick up the backside to not um, 
stereotype people having a bad time or you know all the kind of stuff that maybe you uh, um i don't know old motor trade chat and jargon to then start seeing and if you're really valuing people you should be you should really be valuing people you should do what it says in the tin yeah yeah that's why we're, we're invested in the counselors we're trying to talk about it more um and we're on that and i don't know the answer it's, it's, a, it's a journey so when you when speaking to yourself and what you were doing i thought i, I said I, I just i need to be having the conversation with yourself i need to be learning about it if i can use my influence uh, in any way shape or form when i as i learn that of course i would like to be able to do that in my lifetime in the motor trade but it's a very real issue for a lot of us at different times of life isn't it um, yeah so to be able to understand it and then get alongside people um there's like the right thing to do yeah, no, that's brilliant. I mean, and I could sense on the on the call as well previously that uh, you know we we had a connection there, and I'm a great believer in thinking about you know what's the legacy that won't be left if you don't follow your heart, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that stuff that's within you, and if you've experienced anything, and and as you said, it doesn't matter what your background is or how privileged you've been in life and so on. We're yeah. all susceptible to this. It's, it is yeah. on a spectrum, um, yeah. and I think. You know, I might be a few years older than you, Peter, but, you know, there, there is a culture across the industry, isn't there, or there has been, of, you know, one, it's, it's predominantly male-dominated, uh, which, of course, we're working on, of course. Um, and the other thing is that we're a diagnostic business, so we, we diagnose and fix things, you know, broken cars yeah. or people's transport right. needs. Yeah. And us, us men, you know, we're, we're very stereotypically not good at talking about anything we can't fix and you know what you've just described there is stuff that that isn't fixable it's it's workable but it isn't fixable if that makes sense yeah okay mm-hmm. so you know for the for the wider sector then what do you know i mean obviously i get a sense of where you are with your business but for the wider industry and where we're going in the sector what what do you think needs to happen around this this subject of mental health because what you've talked about there is not unique mm-hmm. by any means you know i think we need to start talking about it hmm? Because, you know, my, my experience of dealing with that young lad and his family was, I remember standing in the workshop trying to speak to the team about something. You know, you have to, as a leader, you've got to stand in the workshop and, and, and uh, empathise and try and try and yep. think of a way forward when there really isn't one. Mm-hmm. What I think about all night before I did it was, if, you, if, if we can speak about these problems, if we can speak to each other when we're having a bad time, there's somebody you can speak to. Is that not where it starts? Having yeah. someone to speak to. Yeah. Um, my limited knowledge of this topic and as I'm learning, I think that seems to be the issue. If, if mm-hmm. we, if it's okay to talk about it, then we might be able to talk about when we're having a bad time, then we might be able to, you know, get, gain some healing through conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. As you say, as, as men, it's a stereotype, but it's probably true. We don't like to talk about our emotions very much. Um, and the industry is full of guys, young guys. So I would just, we need to be aware and then if, if we're having issues, we need to encourage people to talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, interestingly, there is a there is another link back with this in that uh, all the work you're doing with, with younger people as well, what we're finding in the work that we're doing is actually younger generations are far more open to talking about this. Right. Yeah, they, they wow. because you know, and we're we're doing some work uh, through Autotech with the colleges and so on. Um, because what we recognise is that you take youngsters from a fairly cosseted environment of education and into a workplace where they're perhaps, you know, where they are, they do come into contact with with people who are a lot older who perhaps think about things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to kind of bridge that gap, don't we, between those who talk about it and those who don't? <laughs> who don't? No, it'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, when I say, well, these these are things that lots of us don't know about. And mm. so that's why I was encouraged with what you were doing about starting a dialogue and an understanding across the industry. Yeah. Fantastic idea. So, yeah. 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 Oh, well, thank you. Well, I mean, it's going to be amazing to get you involved in, in whatever way, shape or form that that, uh, that looks like. So yeah, mm. we'll look forward to to great things in, in that respect. So, um, so moving forward then, what, what's the, what's on the horizon for, for Peter Vardy, where not just you personally, but the group as well. Uh, a lie down. No, anything um, you can, anything you can, you know, without giving anything away clearly. Uh, no, I think we're quite ex- excited about the opportunity to expand and expand online. And, uh, you know, for anybody who's trying to get into the motor trader, trying to grow, Traditionally, it was very expensive to get to get a building and very limited with a, having a franchise. And mm. if you can find ways of growing from an e-commerce perspective and you don't have to have the franchise all the time, then you've got a bit more freedom and it's like less expensive. So I think we're looking at ways of, of growing without without very many more facilities yeah. Um, yeah. and then doing things that we really enjoy. Um, so the strategy is really about having fun and things that we don't have fun doing, we won't do. So yeah. Um, yeah. I can't yeah. So. Because actually, if I don't enjoy it, then likely the team won't enjoy it. And I don't want them doing anything that they don't enjoy as well. So we're choosing things that we can do over the next five or 10 years based on some of the strengths that we have in the business and the people that we've got and where we see the opportunity. So, yeah, we're hopefully going to grow. So we'll that, sound, see how that, goes. that sounds good. Well, I always say if it feels like work, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm sure not everyone would agree with that, but... Um, so, of course, we are recording this sort of, uh, you know, hopefully as we're coming towards the back end of pandemic and out of lockdowns and stuff. So um, what are the what are the, the kind of challenges that you're revving up for, you know, post April 12th, June 21 and, you know, some of these key dates we've been given? Well, I mean, getting everybody back into the business in a safe capacity is, is the priority, isn't it? Make sure that mm. uh, not everybody's had a job yet that, that worked for us. So how can we make sure we look after people and um, their physical mental and financial well-being has been our manager for the last 12 months yeah, yeah. Um, we've not made any redundancies we're quite pleased about that um we've actually made quite a lot of investments and uh so that was didn't foresee that happening so we're, we're encouraged with that and then as long as we get people back safely we're ex- we're trying to expand in the next 12 months so we'll see if we can break records uh, when mm-hmm. we get back uh, see if people can be financially awarded for that kind of effort and then we'll put all the fun things back in the diary so when we can have a ball and all these different things that we do to enjoy ourselves as a family business, we'll try and get them in the diary whenever we're allowed and make sure folks are enjoying themselves as well as succeeding at, the, at their job. And uh, that's what family business, I think, can can thrive off, that, you know, that community. That sounds um, amazing. And so well, that's uh, definitely aiming to what can we do to make sure we can enjoy ourselves and celebrate the success when we get back. Well, can I volunteer to be the MC at your company board? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You look like it as well with the microphone. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been told I love the sound of my own voice. I'm not sure. I think that... <laughs> no you comment. Can't... <laughs> you can't do this job if you don't. But I've got a great face for radio, apparently. So as long as it's reasonably dark in there, we'll be fine. <laughs> good, 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 good. good stuff. Now, um, Peter, I have to say, uh, when we did speak last week, you know, you, you offered up your support. We are going to talk about that in a bit more detail uh, later on. It might be worthy of another podcast. I don't know. But um, but for now, all I can say is thank you so much for uh, joining us today and, and giving us a bit of insight and, and stuff. And, you know, we look forward to working with you and supporting you, whatever that looks like in the future. Yeah, I look forward to it. Well done again, Steve. Well done. All right, you're a top man. Thank you very much indeed. Bye-bye. See you Bye. soon. You've been listening to Men Able Matters, the podcast brought to you by the Men Able Movement. If you'd like to get involved, join us at menable.org or 
follow the hashtag Menable. Join us again for another podcast where we'll talk to more fantastic guests and get their hints, tips and insights to their personal stories too. See you again soon. Thank you.